Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside. Just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney, a champion, is crowned. What's up, brother? Hey, man, how are you? You say uh, you say champion is crowned, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel that was in mundane fashion when there's actually pretty exciting football going on in England right now. I want you to listen to this. This is Sheffield Wednesday forcing a tie the League One playoff semi-final, two penalties, which they would eventually win after being 4-0 down against the posh Peterborough from the first leg. This is everything this time of year should be about. And the noise, the crowd, and that great thing that happens when a commentator loses his voice. It's all in here. Let's take a listen. Bannon! Johnson floats it in for Aiden Flint! They've done it! They've done it! Is there anything quite like that? What a... Re- you're, you're right when you say that's what this time of year can bring. Yes. Are those Are those kinds of things. And really only this time of year. The, the crowd, like the crowd noise is always going to be there with that stuff. The variable that you don't always get is, is the, the broken voice of, of the commentator. That to me signals... Okay, this is on. This moment is unusual. Like with Mar- that, was what we always say about Martin Tyler. You know, like he's usually understated. Obviously, this wasn't him. I'm just saying in general. Like it's the ones where his voice cracks that you're like, oh my god, what am I actually witnessing? Yeah, you got that here with this guy. Uh, oh, there's just one of those results. I wasn't able to watch it, but I was seeing. Obviously, everybody was tweeting about it as it was <laughs> transpiring, and it got to a point where you start to think they're not gonna. Are they really gonna do this when it got to four three? But then they gave the way. They gave the lead away yes and had to re reclaim the tie and if you watch the first leg which i did I, I i didn't watch the second leg which was a huge mistake because i thought this is this is done this yeah. is toast peterborough was so much better in the first leg 
Oh. And there were so many tweets that were kind of being unearthed of Sheffield Wednesday fans who just tore into their club yeah. after the first leg. <laughs> and I, I can't blame them. Like we, we all, that's part of like how it is as a fan. When you get to like a big moment and your team S's the bed like that, you're going to, you're going to lash out. Uh, but so then, it's, but, it's not their fault, but it's just no, kind of funny now by, seeing what happened. Yeah. But then by the end, it, it goes from that to Pep Guardiola mentioning you first in a press conference and, and praising you and saying how amazing this is. It's uh it's truly, truly a great time of year. And I was thinking the other day, the EFL has something that is really marketable that it should push in the United States. That's playoffs. They've got playoffs this time of year. They've got all that drama built in. And I'll tell you, maybe this is a really good segue. Premier League could do with a little bit of that right now. Wow. Thank God the guy with the accent said that. I said it could do with a little bit of drama. I didn't necessarily say it needed playoffs, but it needs something because that was a tepid finish to the season. Yeah, it was. But look, that's part of... That's what makes years like last year so thrilling is that you're not necessarily guaranteed a thrilling finish every single season. So when you get them, it kind of adds a little something special to it because it's not, it's not necessarily to be expected every year. It's um, last year was last year was last year was sensational. Yeah. Last year was sensational. I went back JJ. We we have a special announcement coming up about the Devonlings, but I went back the other day and was listening to part of last year's Devonlings and it was just it was kind of a reminder that i needed of just how special last season was with the relegation race of of everything that happened with everton last year their fans coming out to will the club across the line the thrilling yeah. 3-2 against crystal palace in the second last game an unbelievable title race i know you wavered on how good the title race was i but, i still do i still do but but overall it was two incredible teams that refused to bow out, that took us to the final day of the season with twists and turns in that final day. A thrilling battle for top four last year between two hated rivals in North London. It was Last season was really, truly something special. This season, I mean, look, I don't know. Talk to a Man City fan, you'll get one answer. Um, talk to a Nottingham Forest fan, you'll get one answer. Talk to a, a neutral of all this. This was an average season. This was an average season. Having said that, the Devonlings will be spectacular. They'll be spectacular. And I would tell everybody over the course of this week, um, the Vunlings will take place. It's still, as is the case with all award shows, the date of which it will be held is not immediately known. Uh, <laughs> but either Tuesday or Wednesday, or you'll see it sometime mid next week. But sometime mid this week, um, we're going to add a component this year. We do want a fan's choice category. So we're going to yeah. list on various social media platforms, uh, Reddit page, uh, Twitter, Instagram, keep your eyes open where the categories will be listed. And then we want all of you guys out there to cast your votes. And uh, we'll go through with the, the fans winner uh, in addition to our winners as well. So just please keep your eyes open for that. Cause we want it to be an interactive experience this year. And I have to say the, the everybody's so active over on the Reddit or forward slash caught offside. You've got uh, where the animals are located. Mega thread. That's we got 132. That's exploded. That's it's fantastic. Exploded. Um, then we have um, a very kind of interesting little things thrown in and out, like music recommendations. The boys talk a lot about their favorite artists and album. With that said, what are your music recommendations? I'm going through some of it, and I'm surprised how hip I am. 
I'm not, <laughs> are you? You've just been dying to utter that sentence, I'm sure. <laughs> no, well, actually, I say how hip I am. Somebody's been listening to uh, Danger Mouse and Doom and, um, and their album Cheat Codes from last year, which I've been really getting into. Um, so that's good. And it makes me feel good about myself. But no, there's everyone so active over there. It's, it's really, really yeah. great. Yeah, I've always said, if you're a fan of the show, it's kind of, it's kind of where you need to be. It's this mm. incredible online community that has sprouted up in the last year or two. Uh, and like I've said before, I had never used Reddit before. I wasn't really sure how it worked, if I knew how it worked, whatever. Um, it's way easier than whatever I thought. So like I like we've said, if, if you're a fan of the show, try to get on that Reddit page because it's really, it's really fun. Um, all right, let's dive into some of what went on over the weekend uh, because there's a lot to get to. Well, also earlier today, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Leicester City-Newcastle match and the, the uh, ramifications of that. But let's start, JJ, with what we said at the top of the show, that a champion has been crowned. Uh, Arsenal went meekly. They handed the crown to City via Arsenal's 1-0 defeat to Nottingham Forest on Saturday, which meant Sunday's match was just purely a celebration as was reflected by the lineup that Pep put out there um thus creating the most unbelievable bench I've ever seen in the history of watching this sport yeah um but let's get into a little bit I, look I don't have much to say about either game really I mean no um so it, it's more kind of big picture stuff with what this Manchester City title means and I'm wondering you know every every team that wins a championship kind of there's something long lasting about each one of those. Now with this Manchester city run, it's a little tough sometimes to distinguish between various championships because it, I don't know if you find this JJ, but a lot of it runs together. Now, some of them yeah. stand out the Aguero year, obviously um, the hundred point season. Um, but sometimes it's hard to remember, wait, that was which title year did that happen? Yeah. So I, I asked, so I guess I'll, I'll start this by asking that question about this Manchester city title run. What is the lasting legacy of this championship season for them? Well, I'd say firstly, it's it's Haaland, yes. a record a record breaking season, a player that's come into the English game and showcased that he has so many of the key vital attributes that you need in the, in the centre forward. Um, his ability to come in and I won't say convert a centre forward skeptic coach, but a, a coach who we all thought wanted a team of midfielders, um, but he came in and he's, he's been, he's been absolutely, he's been brilliant. He really has. Um, I think this might be one of the best teams we've ever seen, like in its totality, maybe squad altogether. One of the best teams we've ever seen win, win the premier league. Yeah. That's it. Spe- and, the- and, and that could be affirmed a couple of weeks from now, if they go on and do the treble, I think that that, that question is case closed. Um, Yes. Yes, it's important in these moments not to mix nostalgia and mix uh, kind of the sheer uh, footballing ability of this side. Don't stick them together because I would say, well, I would say the 99 United team because of the amount that they, and this is a word we use all the time, the bucket loads of jeopardy that was in every single game they played. Mm-hmm. in that treble elevates that treble to a status way beyond um it might make it more memorable but does it make them a better team like the fact uh, that cities your implication is that manchester cities was more dominant whereas manchester united was more dramatic yes yeah and that's why well, i said but that's why i said don't maybe mix the two things mm-hmm. and also it's two eras of football as well sure and i, I and i honestly don't think that 
like there's some players there's 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 lots of players from that United tribal winning team that would get into the city team now we're, we're and it's a different era there's sports science etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's some I wonder would they you know would Ronnie Janssen get into this city team probably not no but anyway it's important it's it's only fair to say that it's one of the the best Premier League teams we've ever seen but the 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 kind of lasting legacy of this side there's there's a, like a third element to it and it's one that we won't see until years down the road is that the the people who are accusing them of 115 violations uh, and basically cheating we don't know what their sanction will be should they be successful in 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 their charges against Manchester City they're the ones presenting the medals to Manchester City at the weekend so there's that weird kind of thing that is yet to play out but as we sit here you can't say that this isn't one of the best teams we've seen and th- that added with one of the best striking se- the best striking season we've seen in the history of the Premier League that's that's what makes them memorable that's that's the current legacy at least yeah undoubtedly I, I think that you know in years to come, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when you want to identify this Manchester City season, I think people will literally say, oh, yeah, that Holland season. Uh, I think that I he, think so, too. I think you hit on it. I just think his explosion onto the scene in this league, the way he the expectation was so high for him to have actually met it or even surpassed it. Uh, I think he is he is the defining uh, moment of this season. Gary Neville said this about him. He said, is the first time that the Premier League has signed a player who is going to be the best in the world or is already at that level. They go to Real Madrid. They go to Barcelona. In recent years, they've gone to PSG. They do not go to the Premier League. Um, now, some of that, I guess, is up for debate, but kind of thinking back on it, uh, he I do get his point. This time it happened with Holland, and it was everything that we, that we thought it would be and then some. Um, I do think there are a couple other sort of ancillary things off of, you know, Holland is the big one, but um, I think the the manner in which City did this is not necessarily something that we're accustomed to. We can sit here all we want and, and talk about their dominance and and how incredible they are, and that is true. However, it was not the case even a month ago, two months ago. It was very much, you say they play without jeopardy. Uh, this may not necessarily be the season where you could say that they were eight points back with only a few months to go in the season. Um, we can sit here all we want. I know you and I came on this podcast a couple months ago and said, we still expected Manchester city to win the title, but yeah. this was not always the foregone conclusion that we are, are kind of now. I feel like the narrative is being almost rewritten that it, that this was always inevitable. It's I not necessarily, it well, it's not necessarily true though. They had, they had to mount a comeback to make it happen. Um, um, and their, their dominance speaks to the fact that they were able to do it with two games to spare. Uh, but Arsenal were also complicit in that. Um, but yeah, I think that that, that makes this Manchester city title a little bit different. Um, and then JJ, one other one that I, I, I have to mention this one because in the moment it was something that we all, I think everybody questioned it to a certain extent. And I think it paid off like gangbusters. I think the message that was sent by shipping a player of unquestionable talent yes. out of the squad off to Bayern Munich while trying to overturn that sort of deficit is, I mean, it has to be one of the defining decisions that was made this season by Manchester City in telling João Cancelo that no one is bigger than this team. Uh, and like, you know, oh, you, you don't believe me, João? Well, disgruntled world-class fullback, get out. Get out of our club. We don't need you here. We don't need anyone here. We can. This could be anyone that we could do this to. Uh, you know, they did that 
they were not in first place. They were not atop the table when that decision was made. I think that I have to believe that that sent reverberations throughout the squad. And then they put Rico Lewis in there for a while. And like, look at the job he did. He's on the verge of getting a, a new contract now for this club. So I think Pep sent a message that there is, and we've seen it. I mean, De Bruyne was almost like a bit part in their title winning season of what was it? The 18, 19 year when he only started like 11 games. So we've seen it before. And this was Pep's way of sending that message maybe to this team. And it, and it paid off beautifully. Yeah. And this is one of the few sides in the world that could do that. There's very few sides that could have uh, Joe Cancelo kind of as the player he is, albeit not as dominant in, in the portion of the season he played for City as, as he has been in previous seasons, but an absolute stalwart for the side. Then you can say, right, get rid of him. Midstream. Yeah. That says a lot about their their the depth of that squad. Yeah. I think, too, it's the year that, you know, Jack Grealish, the most expensive English player of all time, uh, his first year at City was not a rousing success. It was wondered, will he ever become the player that we think he can be or that he was at Villa? Can he ever be that player again at Manchester City? Uh, he was, this is also the year for me that I'll remember with this Manchester City side as the year he became like a re-revelation. Like he was great at Villa, then we weren't sure, and now we see it again. Uh, he yeah. was incredible this season. And it, it, it goes to show you... Uh, it doesn't. It's not an instant thing when a player like him, who was the, the kind of focal point and the ball carrying player on a on an Aston Villa team, so the ball has got to him and do something with it, Jack. He has to kind of not subvert, but kind of bury his ego mm-hmm. and say, "Well, you'll play in the patterns of play that we want, and if you receive it in this pocket, what you do is you pass it here. You don't take someone on." Um, and he's been he's been absolutely he's been brilliant. And you, yeah. you think of the way he just laid laid siege to the Real Madrid defense last week in that first half. It's um, it's it's different from last season. And he did speak when he was getting his medal last year. It's not like he didn't want it, but he was talking about how difficult the transition it's been. And um, I'd never say any player is like, oh, he's absolutely fully formed or whatever. But I mean, in terms of inculcating himself into what City do, he's there. He's there now. A hundred percent. Um, and then obviously, I mean, Pep, you know, he continues to leave his mark on, on the history of this league. Opta Joe tweeted, uh, Pep Guardiola is only the fifth manager to win 10 plus major honors in charge of English clubs. Uh, for Pep, it's a five-time Premier League winner, four-time League Cup, one-time FA Cup. Um, the others to have done it, Alex Ferguson, Bob Paisley, George Ramsey, and Arsene Wenger. Pep did it in just seven seasons with Manchester City. Pretty incredible. Overall, he's won the league in 11 of his 14 seasons as a manager between Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and Man City. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's amazing. It really is amazing. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, uh, we don't have to have that debate now of is he the greatest Premier League manager of all time, but is it, do we, can we at least agree though now that it is a two horse race with him and Sir Alex Ferguson? I mean, has he, I, I, I think he's passed Wenger, Mourinho. I mean, that, that's probably, am I forgetting any obvious ones? I think, yeah, you know, I, he really does need this, this European Cup at Manchester City. Doesn't he though? So can we talk about that? Let's do that. Pep himself weighed in on that conversation. This is a quote from him. 
he said, I cannot imagine winning five in six years. I have the feeling we've done something exceptional, but to be considered one of the greatest teams, we have to win the Champions League. Otherwise, it's not complete. I tend to agree with that, but I, I don't see it in, in a way that it's, it's just a reflection of Pep if they don't win it. It's a reflection on the money that's been pumped in. I mean, they, this thing has been built, like constructed to be a dominant force in European football and English club football. And that the, the first part's been achieved. And the second part is the next, is the next domino to, uh, to fall, surely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't buy the entire Barcelona brains trust, plug it into Manchester just to be like perennial Carabao Cup champion. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. Although they have enjoyed that competition quite a bit. I think that Pep kind of brings up one of the great, one of the great existential questions of our time in this in this sport. Can you fail to live up to expectations and still be a dynasty? I think if there was ever a team to test that question, it's this one. Because you're right. The expectation with Manchester City, when all this money was pumped into the club, was, yes, Premier Leagues, of course, but Europe, Champions League, not one. Not to, I'll quote LeBron here, not one, not two, not three, not four, five. Like That's what this was. <laughs> that's what this was for, was to win in Europe. Um, so I think Pep is right. There, If they don't do it, and I, you and I both think they will in a couple weeks, um, yes. but if they don't, something will always be missing from this. Now, having said that, JJ, when you win five Premier Leagues in six years, like the story of this league, when it's written one day, cannot be written without the Manchester city chapter, they have owned a generation in this sport. So yes, they are like, they are a dynasty, but I think they are one without yet having lived up to their overall expectations. I don't know if I can think of another team quite like that. That was a simultaneously a dynasty and did not fulfill expectations. It's almost, it's a, it's feels like a contradiction to even say those two sentences next to each other. But right now, without Europe, City are that. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not use the word dynasty, but the early 2000s Wenger sites, the okay. thing that's missing there is that European Cup. They had their unbeaten season. They had seasons where they, not, they had the season where they uh, knocked United out and, and won the championship or sealed it at Old Trafford. You know, they were an exceptional side. And... It opened up for them. They get to the 2006 Champions League final. And that was the moment to kind of cement that whole era for Wenger. Because it didn't get any better. It, it would never right. get to that, that height again. And it didn't happen. But yet we still talk about that, that Wenger era, that Arsenal era uh, of being a great side and being competitive. But, but it wasn't again, dynastic in the way this Manchester City run has been. No, no. I suppose... <laughs> If you look at United going into the 99 season, I mean, they'd been the champions. They were champions uh, 92, 93. They were champions 93, 94. They missed out uh, on 94, 95. They were champions 95, 96, 96, 97. Arsenal come in uh, for 97, 98. And then, so United have dominated that era of most through the 90s. And if they hadn't won that European Cup in... in uh, in Barcelona that night, that yeah. would have been the missing Some, piece. Something would have been missing. Yeah. And uh, oh, I was going to say Everton, but Everton in the 80s, 
everything did win a European competition. It was not, they never got a chance to, to be champions and then go into the European Cup as it was then, the Champions League then because of the, the ban after Heisel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, there's got to be a team out there that, that, that really, that we're, that we're forgetting, Andrew. I mean, I'm even trying to think of other sports. Like I, the Lakers in the early 2000s, they three-peated, but then in their bid for a fourth, they were so disappointing against the Pistons. Like, mm. could, I don't know if that's quite it. Like that was a dynasty, but did they, should it have been more? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. Would that, no. I was going to say, was there an era of the Knicks in the nineties? No. no. Where they were, because they, you've were, only they, got... they were running into the Bulls. Like no one expected, I don't know that anyone no, expected but they them kept to get doing past it. them. Yeah, but but as long as the Bulls were there, it was like they were never favored in any of those series. No. The problem is as well in soccer, we have so many different competitions by which right. to measure things. <laughs> right, right. There's only one. There's only one big Kahuna Burger in this in in America, and if and if you don't if you don't get to it, like that's it. It's it it, it doesn't matter. I suppose the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> the Buffalo <laughs> Bills, they didn't win anything. No, but they went to. I mean, I know to, it's an incredible achievement of theirs. Yeah. Um, yeah, they didn't win anything though. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a very weird one that they, they could be, they are an undisputed dynasty in my mind. And yet they have not fulfilled their expectations. Like we um, said, they, I believe that it is an inevitability and I think it might even break the dam. And I think that there will be more old big ears, as you call it in the years to come, especially when you remind yourself that Erling Holland is 22, which doesn't seem fair. No, that doesn't seem fair. Before we get off city and move yeah. on to something else, I, I I should point you towards, I should always point you towards Football 365. Andrew, as a website, how good is that? It's fantastic. It's absolutely They do, they do great work. Yeah. And the, and way you, Nichols- the way you promote it, I, I feel like it's only a matter of time before I see a byline of like uh, Broline, Darlene, Broline on there. <laughs> JJ's alter ego. Yeah, that's right. Broline, Darlene, Broline. Uh, Manchester City are the best of all time, and nobody gives an F. Take note, Premier League. So John Nich- Nicholson is talking about the general kind of shrug of indifference over this side that is absolutely amazing. Like, stunning. They won't be spoken about like Arsenal's Invincibles. They won't, like I mentioned, they won't be, even if they win the treble, they will not be remembered like the 1919. Now, why is that? And so he delves into that and he talks about something that we brought up. We've been bringing up for months about it. Jeopardy. He talks about the money. He talks also about just, you know, what we want to see in football and what we want to see in football is often not perfection, but it's, um, uh, I, I have to, I'll be the one to ask this question. Yeah. Is that a little bit of old man, get off my lawn stuff. The generation that I grew up in that I, that I, my soccer sensibilities were formed. That's the best generation. Like the the people who are somewhere between, let's say, 15 to 25 years old who are witnessing this right now, will, will they agree with that statement when they're talking about great dominant teams you know, when they're sitting around hosting their podcast 15 years from now? I, like, I, I, I don't wonder. know. I don't know I don't that know. I can. I think that they may feel differently. I think there's a little bit of a generational I I yeah, think, fair. like I said last week, I think there will be people who have watched this city team and they'll look at players like De Bruyne and Grealish and they'll be inspired by them and they'll think fondly upon them. But I, I don't, 
it's not moving people. It doesn't get a mention really um, outside of, unless you're plugged into Premier League world. Like it's, it, it was just maybe partly because of the way it happened at the weekend with Arsenal losing to hand them the title. But right. it was just like meh. Like, and, and it should be more for this team because um, I'll just read you a quick. Uh, um, the main point of what John Nicholson is saying, and it's not that Man City aren't an excellent team, but he says it reveals something innate about football which goes against every principle the Premier League model has pushed for 30 years. Perfection isn't really what we're interested in. An excellent game doesn't have to feature excellent football. There are 20 million audiences for lower league football every season. They're not doing that to punish themselves. There is something greater than the skills on show, something more important, soul. And, and we have said before, and we said it only last week, we talked about my friend who was the Arsenal supporter who's become a Man City supporter the last few weeks. You know, um, Sorry, the Tottenham supporter who's become a Man City supporter because sure. Arsenal were in the running. And... Um, and he said, yeah, I mean, it's, you watch it, it's, it's objectively, if you were to scale it, you know, it's good football. It's excellent football, mm-hmm. but it doesn't move you. And I also think as well, City operating off a smaller fan base than every other club, like the perennial relegation candidates jumping forward in the queue to be Premier League champions. It's not going to have the same pull as an Arsenal win in the league. Like you would have seen celebrations across the world because that's who Arsenal are for them winning the league in the, in the way you probably won't see for Man City. But it's yeah. listen, John lays out the article. It's wrong for me to just be picking paragraphs out of it. You should read the whole thing. It's on Football 365. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's worth a read, even if you're a Man City fan who is probably, they're probably annoyed. Uh, that their chips, Andrew, their chips are covered in urine right now. <laughs> Everybody's been urinating on their chips over the weekend. But but I will say yeah, this: they're they're never going to be the neutrals' favorite, and I think they can't th- their fans either a know that or b have to come to terms with that and choose to not care. Yeah, um, or or choose to engage with it in another way, um, because it's it's going to be like that, yeah. and um, and that's what that's what that that money and ownership brings. And you know, some of that, you're, you're, that's, that's the thing is that the feeling it, it has nothing to do. It's almost a shame. I like individually. I like every player on that team. Yeah. Like there's no guy on that team that I sports hate. Like De Bruyne, legend Holland has been a joy to watch. You know, my feelings on Grealish. Um, you know, I still enjoy like Kyle Walker from, his Spurs days and the fact that he's still getting it done. Like I like them all. They're all fun to watch. They all seem like decent guys. Like, but it's that cloud of ownership that hangs over them that kind of cast this shadow. And it's, it's unfortunate, but that's, again, that's kind of like the compromise you make when that's the deal you sign. Um, Now we're saying there's not a lot of city fans out there. Well, there are some, and uh, on the Reddit page, some of them were making their voices heard. This comes from Alaverga97. Mm. Um, he posts this. He says he has a champion's final problem. He said, what's up, boys? Have a situation going on. My son's two-year-old birthday party lands on the same day as the Champions League final. And me being a City fan, it's a big deal. Mm. It would be wrong for me to try to persuade the missus to move the party and watch it at our local bar or watch it on my iPhone. Smiley face. Um What's the move, JJ? When the a two-year-old birthday the, party move the party? Now, see, that's not. That's not 
he's two. You're, you're living in fan. You're living. It's not about him. It's not a, the two until a kid turns, I'd say five. The birthday party is not about them. It's it's about the mom. It's right. about everyone who's invited to celebrate. I think you're living in fantasy land to say move the party. Doesn't work like that. Now I don't know the details of what this party is. Is he has he reserved space? It's some kind of like little gym for kids to run around in, or is it just in their backyard? If it's like a little thing in the backyard, then yeah, maybe. But like sometimes it's not it's not that easy. Can you fold? Is there a way to get it done and get it out of the way before the game? Games at three o'clock, right? Get everything done beforehand. Come on, it's a yeah. Like that's what I'm saying is like you should be able to get it done now. If you can't, I think his question is how does he handle this? Um, you know my thoughts on this. Even for an event as big as a Champions League final, I think the DVR method is possible. I think that's the way to go. Oh. I'll take the risk over taking in that experience in the entirely unenjoyable way of attempting to catch glimpses of it on my phone or relying on tweets or text messages. That's Terrible. no way. That's no way to take it in. I'll run the risk. I'll run the risk and I'll DVR it and I'll shut myself off to the world. And every person who enters that party will come with the disclaimer of, if you say a word about this game, you're out and our, and our relationship is finished. All right. And then it can be done. JJ, you know, I did it for game seven of Sixer Celtics. If you could do it for game seven of Sixer Celtics and you're me, who every person in my orbit is a Philadelphia sports That's fan. That's amazing. Then it can be done for any. I, I have, have to, to be say, committed. I have to say your discipline with texting is, is unbelievable. And your I phone. Shot, I, I took my, I didn't even give myself the chance for that one. I put my phone upstairs in the bedroom under the pillow. Cause sometimes when it's out on the, on the table It'll go, can, from downstairs, I can hear the vibrations <laughs> and I didn't want to know anything. I didn't want to know when people were texting me. Cause then I start looking at the clock and doing the math of, okay, well it's probably like mid fourth. Something is going on. I'm going to know that now. So I put it under the pillow to mute the vibrations. That's what wow. you have to do. How I, rickety, I should write a book on this. How rickety is your old house? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's uh ceiling tiles that fall every time a phone vibrates <laughs> in in our home uh, reminds me of um sorry sorry to digress but it reminds me of uh when, when trump was running for election one of his biggest complaints and it was the one he always went to mr president um, uh, if you're a president can you talk about what you would do for infrastructure in this country well you know i regularly go through the holland tunnel and i'm, I'm driving and it's a tr- you know a tremendous tunnel it's one of the best tunnels if you ask me but the tiles the tiles are missing and i'm here what's going on with the tiles missing how can we have tiles missing it's, that's that's my house is what you're saying it's not what i'm saying i'm just i'm just reminded of like i always thought of him driving through and his limo swerving all these tiles that are falling from the ceiling <laughs> like some anyway. sort of some sort of frogger video game um so congrats to manchester city we'll have more on them of course as they still have two major trophies in their fight for the treble uh jj no easy transition we go from that to the other really the biggest story from the weekend it took place in la liga sadly it has nothing to do with soccer And it has everything to do with a devastatingly sad, familiar topic from over the course of this season. And that is Vinicius being on the receiving end of racial abuse. Um, This time it was at the Mestalla in Valencia. It did not look like one or two people at all. Or sound like it. No, uh, it certainly did not, regardless of what, Certain people may want you to think. We'll get to some of that. But this was um, this was a tweet from Vinicius afterwards. 
He said it wasn't the first time, nor the second, nor the third. Racism is normal in La Liga. In football, they think it's normal. The Federation does too, and the opponent encourages it. I'm so sad. The championship that once belonged to Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Cristiano, and Messi today belongs to racism. Beautiful nation, which welcomed me and which I love, but which agreed to export the image of racist country to the world. I'm sorry for the Spaniards who don't agree, but today in Brazil, Spain is known as a ra- as a country of racists. And unfortunately for something that happens each week, I have no defense. I let it happen, but I am strong and I will go to the end against racists, even if it is far from here. I felt truly sick for him in particular, witnessing the scenes, because you could just, this was not a thing that happened on a Sunday. This is something that has been building for him over the course of certainly this year and beyond. This is not an isolated incident to just the last several months for this guy. But this season in particular, it has been repeated over and over again. I believe it's eight separate incidents of racism directed specifically at Vinicius. Um, He's done as much as he can to try to handle this. If there is a right way to handle it, I feel like he, he has. He's been strong, but it seemed like it all finally caught up to him. Uh, He almost broke down on the pitch. You could see his eyes welling up. Uh, I think emotionally near the end of that game when he was – the insanity of him receiving a red card on a day when he was dealing with all that – everything else, when he was put in a headlock essentially by an opposition player, um, I think it all just exploded from out of him. And it was really really truly sad. that it's once again something that that he had to suffer through. And where is La Liga? Where is La Liga to do anything about this other than what had ensued over the following 24 hours, which almost seemed to be in some ways a condemnation of Vinicius? Well, um, you refer to uh, Javier Tobias and his response, the head of La Liga. Um, since those who should not should explain to you what it is and what it and what it can't do, La Liga in cases of racism, we have tried to explain it to you, but you have not shown up for either of the two agreed dates that you requested yourself. Before criticizing and insulting La Liga, it is necessary that you inform yourself properly at Vinny Jr. Do not let yourself be manipulated and make sure you fully understand each other's competencies and the work we have been doing together. I mean, imagine that response. How can you watch that that video of a human being in complete and utter distress? And that's your response. And it's it's just it's just such an awful spectacle because I you see some of the camera angles and you see the stands and it's just the hate spewing down from the stands en masse. It's not one or two people. It's not the fella that ran down the stands when. Uh, and uh, when Dwight York was at Blackburn and um, an opposition fan ran down the steps to make a monkey gesture to him at the bottom of the steps, however shocking that was, it wasn't one fella. It was thousands of people joining in in this. And, you know, I kind of, the response could be from some areas could be in caps. I can't remember what the newspaper was from Spain, but, it was like, it didn't outrightly condemn Vinicius, but it questioned his behaviors that draw this reaction from the crowd. And it reminded me of the question Klopp was asked at a press conference uh, before the Real Madrid tie in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, 
by and it was a it was what I mean by good faith question. This guy was asking this genuinely and he betrayed his mindset and the mindset of many people. Um, is there some behavior that Vinicius could stop doing so that people will stop racially abusing him? And Klopp was just incredulous with the question. He struggled to even answer it. Such was its stupidity. This is not a Vinicius problem. This is a football and society problem. These people are acting like it's just, they're just the most disgusting, vile um, embodiment of the human, of the human condition that, that you could possibly see. Um, now I say it's a societal problem. Don't get that twisted into, I believe football can do nothing. We had John Barnes on before COVID. So I want to say 2019 in studio with us. Um, we talked about his career and we talked about him being such a prominent black footballer in the eighties and the abuse he suffered from the stands. And John Barnes has now entrenched himself in this position where Football can't do anything. It's wider society. And until society changes, nothing can be, almost nothing can be done. So because I remember asking him, so is it futile, John, to have, like he wouldn't agree with any of the, the initiatives that are taken before games. You know, stand up, speak out, say no to racism, kick racism out of football. I'm not sure he believes in any of that because yeah. society's Ill- illness is so entrenched. Uh, Gab Marcotti tweeted this out and I couldn't agree with it more. Also, kind of tired of this whole societal problem, BS. Sure, education and laws may or may not eradicate racism, but, but that shouldn't stop football from controlling what it can do, what it can control when it happens in its own stadiums. It would be wonderful to eliminate racism across society, but while we wait for that to happen, I think football's priority should be to simply eliminate racist abuse in stadiums, as well as ethnic, homophobic, or religious abuse. I, I just can't agree with it more. Like, it seems as if football has been tiptoeing around the swimming pool and has never really dived in. They've had more initiatives, more kind of, you know, captains coming to the fore before games, speaking out, pleading with people in the stands to do X or Y, to, you know, behave themselves, to, uh, to deport themselves in a different manner. And racism is unexpected, unaccepted in our game and hammering that message and badges and crests and kneeling and all this stuff. Why not control the controllables? I'd ask you this. Is there a more invigilated or surveilled place in the world than a live sporting event? Like public event. A concert maybe. But but there's cameras everywhere. And I, I think it has to be this way. That if you are caught in a scenario where you are involved in racially abusing someone that you can be, the the punishment can be directed and clear. Now, does that mean closing the Mestaya because there were so many people doing it? Maybe, maybe, (laughs) but do something. Yeah. Do something along those lines. Now there was a, a, and again, this is going too far, but I'm just saying that, you know, people have thought about these solutions before Um, in Scotland. There was the Offensive Behaviour at Football and Threatening Communications Act of 2012. This was law. So if you were singing, this was to, to really try and deal for once and for all with the sectarian abuse and singing and often sometimes sectarian violence in Scottish football. Um, and it was an act of the Scottish Parliament which created new criminal offences concerning sectarian behaviour at football games. The act was repealed on uh, April 20th, 2018. So 
It had a six-year run, but this is the way they were thinking. Now, do I think, I think it would be, to have criminal laws and things like that would be wrong because there are free speech issues and um, issues of personal expression. But La Liga isn't bound by those things. It's not bound. Like once, if you invite someone into your club and they don't act in the way that you like them to, it's not a free speech issue to ask them to leave or to have them expelled. There's freedom of association too. And if La Liga is serious and it doesn't want to associate with racists, then it has to take draconian action. And it's not draconian action. Why am I saying draconian? They have to take action within the stadiums. And that means identify people and remove them. And if it means en masse removal or the closing of a stand or the emptying of a stand, then do it. Yeah, I think in Gab's article, uh, he expounded on it and talked about how when the incident happened recently with Lukaku in Turin against Juventus, um, Juventus employs the technology that is like airport level security systems to identify, I think he, he referenced specifically vocal technology, uh, audio visual technology, where they were able to pinpoint who was right. at fault. And those people, one of them, somebody was given a lifetime ban. Another was a minor who received a 10 year ban because of their minor status. Um, but let's be honest, like every club in, in, top flight club in Spain and all the top five European leagues, they have the money to do this. Yeah. They could all employ that, that same technology um, to try to weed out those who are at fault. Now, like you said, this was an extraordinary situation where the numbers were so, um, so great that, I mean, uh, no technology was really needed. It seemed like it was an entire, entire sections um, of fans. I mean, you know, call the game off immediate forfeit. Point deduction, yeah, matches behind closed doors. Like I think the conversation kind of needs to start with those options, and if it doesn't, then it doesn't seem like you're really serious about trying to fix this. Well, I that's the thing. How how far do you want to push this? How far do the they act the authorities actually want to take it beyond the stuff that we've tried? And I'm not denigrating anyone who's been involved in any of those causes before or initiatives that football has taken on, but I've seen so many of them, like so many of them from. I remember from 2005, there was stand up, speak up. They had the little armbands, which was a white and a black one intertwined. And the players would wear uh, on, on, an, an, on a special match day, they'd wear the stand up, speak up um, special jerseys or whatever. I remember Portugal playing the Republic of Ireland in, again, 2004. And Portugal wore a special black and white jersey, one, one half one black, one half white. You know, we've seen all this stuff. I just, I just think now it has to get much, much tougher and yeah. clubs have to take some pain. And, you know, the other thing, too, is that I think the people who are who are speaking out on this, like, I think we've gotten to a point now this season where it's happened around Real Madrid so much. Vinicius, Carlo Ancelotti, they can only say so much at Help this them. point. They're, yeah, exactly. There need to be other voices, other white voices yeah and uh, the issue of fair i don't really care about fair anymore it's what's right it's now i think gotten to a point where you know what damn it it's incumbent upon some of these other clubs whose fans are doing this to stand up and take a stand themselves if i I think it's now incumbent upon valencia to walk off the field yeah and and basically send the message to their fans we are not playing in front of you we won't do it um you don't until clubs start kind of condemning their own fan bases for behaving this way 
in, in a real way, a way beyond a statement. I think that it's going to continue to happen. Um, I don't know. There's, there's obviously no, there's no easy answer to any of this. Like you said, it begins societally, but that doesn't mean that football needs to be quiet while society tries to figure it out. They can do their part. They can try to at least position themselves to be on the right side of history in these issues. What um, control what goes on in your designated groans, right? Just do that. Yeah. Now the other side of this, JJ, when, uh, when I was reading Vinicius's statement that he put out the last line of it, uh, when he says, but I am strong and I will go to the end against racists, even if it is far from here, hmm. what is to be made of this now for him? He is, I mean, he, he loves this club, Real Madrid. He is even at such a young age. I mean, he is already such a fixture in their history and their future. Um, but has this issue gotten to a point in Spain? He said it that in Brazil, Spain is known as a country of racists. He has been on the receiving end of so much of it. He's had to shoulder so much of it. Is this going to push him out uh, of of Spain and of this club that he seemingly loves in Real Madrid? Um, South American, obviously, their South American football expert Tim Vickery, who we've had on this show before, he spoke to Sky Sports. Now, I'm reading directly here from the article on, on Sky. Um, Tim Vickery told Sky Sports News that word has begun to spread in Brazil that Vinicius has, quote, had enough after facing months of racism in La Liga and that without a strong response to the latest incident, he would likely want to leave Madrid. Quote, he's just extended his contract until 2027, but unless there are severe consequences to a problem clearly allowed to grow out of control, I think he will be very unhappy to continue his career at Real Madrid, Vickery said. Um, that is almost unfathomable, picturing Vinicius at the at just like the the infancy of his powers of how great a player he could be and already is, um, and how important he is to that club and to that city. Um, the thought of him leaving for reasons like this is it's so sad. It's it's awful that it's, that racism in that country will for could potentially force this bright superstar out of the league altogether. And I would say this, if, if part of the factor here was he needed to see a strong response from the league uh, to essentially convince him to want to stay, well, Javier Tebas's initial response is not getting off to the right start when he's essentially no. in, in some ways at, at the most, you could say condemning Vinicius at the minimum, you could say patronizing him um, no, the, with, with Spanish- a lecture. The Spanish Football Association did come out and they criticized Tebas's comments and said that, you know, it was a grave situation and, and, and much more needs to be done to solve it. So there was kind of there was a quick uh, from those in the authority in Spanish football, there was a realization that 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 kind of commentary was just completely off the wall and out of whack and out of sync. Um, it's so sad to think that this could be the case. Um on a purely, and I'll just be cynical here, he's the jewel in the crown of La Liga. You know, they're, you think of the top players that were there in the past. They're not there anymore. He is. He's the absolute jewel in the crown there. Mm-hmm. The idea that he cannot play football in that league, not for no other reason, not because it's a tough league, not because he finds it too hard, because of racial abuse, is such a stain on that league that it would have... I think long-term ramifications if he was forced to leave. Those ramifications being what, what other 
future superstars will want to go play there. If Vinicius, if a player as great as him said, I, I'm not doing it here. I, I won't do it here. Don't, don't forget the long pipeline of uh, Brazilian players who want to either play for Barcelona or Real Madrid uh, coming, coming from their homeland. They're not going to want that. Why would they? He's, yeah. I mean, this guy is already um, top of the pile in terms of, of world footballers. So I, I know it's cynical to talk about, oh, well, how will this affect like, La Liga? But you, you know what I mean. Reputationally, the damage would be huge. Sure. And, and why, what reason would we have to not believe Tim Vickery's sources here? The man was anguished on the field. That's the hardest thing for me, watching him running to the stands and pointing into the stands at those who were uh, dehumanizing him in the blazing heat in this auditorium full of morons. It's, it's such a terrible visual. And, and if he doesn't want to play there again, I would completely understand it. Totally agree. Uh, terrible, terrible story. Hate that it continues to happen. Uh, but this is the reality of, uh, of the situation right now. Um, yeah, really sad. I think the first thing, I don't, I don't know what step is first in all this, but, but for me, I think what you referenced earlier, step one, I would love to just rid ourselves of the yeah, but culture in this. Oh, got to get rid of it. Like what Klopp addressed in that press conference, the, yeah, but he's flamboyant. Yeah, but he brings this on. No, no, he doesn't. All right. No, he soccer players should be allowed to express themselves to be flamboyant on the field. It's, there is no action where the response can be, look at the color of your skin. They're, to dehumanize someone in that fashion. Yeah. There should be no action, no celebration, no comment, no dress, no, no, no outfit, no, no music taste that, that the response is to racially abuse someone. It is like... It's unfathomable. It's disgraceful. The whole, I mean, the whole country, the, the, the reflections, not just from, uh, from Vinny's comments, but you hear the president of Brazil. Mm. Was he at the World Economic the Forum? The G7. Whatever, yeah. yeah. And, and he's addressing that. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's international nightmare. Yeah. Um, absolutely awful. And, uh, and again, I... I can't get my head around, like for all the commentary, for all the things I've read and heard, his face, just humil- the humiliation of that is, um, is not something that should be visited upon anyone, anyone. Uh, still a lot more here to do on Caught Offside. We'll get to some of the action from over the weekend. A um, little bit of MLS talk as well. A uh, few transfer rumors. Still, still a bunch more to do on Caught Offside. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Oh, back now on Caught Offside. JJ, you you, uh, you can see, the obviously if you're listening to camp, but you, you can see I'm wearing a uh, Tottenham sweatshirt that you bought me uh, from, what was it, her birthday or Hanukkah a few years ago? I, forget I would exactly. never get you anything for Hanukkah because you're okay. spoiled at Hanukkah. Spoiled. Uh, it was for your birthday. That's right. That's right. So I'm wearing it. Um, I, I have a, a recommendation for for anyone out there. Like we were talking about earlier in this podcast, for neutral fans, I don't, JJ, I don't know. If we went through every team in the league this season, I don't know how many fans would be happy with the season their team had. It feels like this is a year where a lot of high profile teams may be coming out of the season feeling kind of bummed about the season, maybe how it went for their club. Um, I would suggest to people, like for me, you guys have heard my my recent podcast where I've talked about Tottenham and how yeah. low it's gotten this season. This past weekend, um, it was announced that Lucas Mora was playing his last home game for Spurs. Um, he is not necessarily an all-time great for them, but he is the author of one of the greatest moments in the history of the club when he completed his hat trick uh, against Ajax to lead Tottenham to the Champions League final. And um, so with that, I was kind of... Uh, sort of like not even paying attention to the, the game against Brentford. None of it really matters. I would have liked them to qualify for the Europa League, but you know, we can talk about that another time. It's not even about that. But so I went just, I got nostalgic. And so I pulled up the YouTube video of Lucas Moore doing that against Ajax. Oh. And then it took me down the rabbit hole. And next thing I knew, like, like an hour went by of just like watching that. And like, I'll tell you what I came away from, I was like, you know what? The season sucked. But I love this club. I can't help it. Oh. I just can't help it. I just do. I would recommend for you any can't of you, quit them. Any any of you out there who have had similar feelings about your club this season, just do it. Just do that. Carve out a little bit of time. It'll probably wind up being more than whatever you carve out initially. And just pull up. Think of your favorite three moments for the club. Pull those up. Watch them on YouTube. It'll all come rushing back. The feelings, the love, all that. You can't help it. You can't I, help it. I love that that happened for you. Yeah. Um, I do that too. I I often come in, and it, I mean, it's easier when Liverpool have been good the last half a decade, five, six, seven years, whatever. But there's always, I can just always watch the 2001 FA Cup final. I used to come in on a Friday night, have a few pints on a Friday night. Come in, not really want to go to bed, slice of pizza, maybe have another beer. Cast the final again. Cast Istanbul. Oh. I, was out, I was drinking with my yeah. friend Ryan there during the winter, and we got back to his apartment, and uh, I was going to sleep on the couch, and he goes, we should watch the, the 2005 Champions League final again, shouldn't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we should. Now, and let it, me ask, can I ask you a question? When you do that, do you watch the first half or do you just go right and, and begin with the second half? No, watch the first half. You do. The whole, you want, you need the whole thing. You, you need to revive the memory in your mind mm-hmm. of how you felt in the first half. The embarrassment, the, like it was genuinely embarrassed. You're getting absolutely destroyed and you're thinking they could score another two in the second half and this would be an all time battering. Yeah. Um. So you have to build up the whole feelings. It's like, um, it's like any classic film. You you don't watch it. Me and you were talking about Heat. Oh, we're talking about Heat off air. Heat is now on Netflix, guys. 
I just, yeah, it prompted me. I saw it appear on Netflix. I hadn't seen it in a while. So last week I had a couple hours. I was off from work. Kids were at school. Wife was at work. I was like, you know what? Let's do it. I got three hours. Let's, let's, let's do it. Uh, oh my God, that movie. Oh, I wouldn't change a thing. It's not a thing. Up so, what is it from 95? 1995. That movie, exactly as is, could come out today. It'd be perfect. I wouldn't change a thing about it. Uh, JJ, you know, because it's hard, it's a hard movie to keep rewatching because it is three hours. Yeah. But you know what I've been doing over the last like 48 hours? <laughs> I just keep listening to the Moby song from the, the final scene of the movie. Over oh, my over God. <laughs> God, um, God moves over the face of the waters. Oh, it's perfect. See, I told you I'm never going back. And he holds his hand as he dies at the airport. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I, I will randomly at any moment burst into a line. You you know I'm obsessed with the film. Yeah. I am alone. I am not lonely. <laughs> uh, just like, just so many of them. Give me what you got. Give me what you got. got. All those things. But my point being is, if you're going to, you know, if you want to enjoy the totality of heat, you're not going to start at the shootout scene. No way. So that's why um, okay. that random digression into heat was because I will always watch the the first half of that Champions League final. And you're right. Just brings you back. Brings you back. And I know our listeners, every single one of them have that thing about their club. And it's the, it's the go-to thing you can go to kind of get your juices flowing. And I come, come August, Andrew, come the end of July, you'll be buzzing again for another season of Tottenham I know. football. I can't help it. And I'm excited. I'm already, I'm already excited to feel that again. Well, as human I know be- it's coming. And also as human beings, um, we are racing towards the abyss. So we are all dying. As we speak, we're dying right now. But what you need is something to keep you going. And that's hope. And so our brain, not in all cases, but in most cases, manufactures hope. And it manufactures a vision and an optimism for the future. And that's how we keep going. And sport's the great one. Sport is the opium of the people. And wow. it's the, it's what's going to keep you bashing your head against that, that brick wall for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's that's probably true. But you never know. What were Arsenal fans thinking at the end of last season with that letdown? You think they expected this? Mm. Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? What did Newcastle fans think a couple of years ago? And we'll use that as a jumping off point, <laughs> JJ, because they weren't thinking Champions League football. But that is exactly what they went out and clinched earlier today. They get the job done. They only needed a point. They got it in a pretty dominant nil-nil draw. Um, what were the shots? Like 24 to 1? I know, but... And, and again, Leicester's only one occurred in, in like the 91st minute or something. Nick Pope had nothing to do, and he, he had to come up with a really big save. Great connection from Castagna. Castagna should have scored. Now, equally, Bruno Guimaraes had one of the all-time misses uh, in Premier League history. It's going to be on blooper reels forever. Although... I, He's just so close to the post. The header you're talking about? He heads it straight onto the post from point blank range. There wasn't the width of a football between his head and the post. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. A a weird thing with Newcastle. Uh, They hit the post, I believe, three times in this game. They they lead the league. I believe they've hit the post now 25 times this season, which is the most of any team in the Premier League. Champions League football, Tuesday and Wednesday nights will be returning to St. James Park. Um, yeah. Credit to them. 
I, I know that much like our conversation with Manchester no. City at the start of this podcast, we now begin the second half of this podcast with a similar conversation. Not our fault. Not our fault. Don't no, be owned, no. Don't be owned by the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. How about yeah. that? Now, I mean, like I've said, look, obviously it is my belief that they would not be in this position currently without that financial boost that they right. got. Um, having said that, I've been pretty vocal in saying that um, uh, it, it can't be forgotten necessarily that a lot of these contributors, maybe even the majority of this club, are guys that predated much of that financial windfall. Almiron, Joelinton, uh, Callum Wilson, Longstaff, who came in and, and did a job today in place of Joe Willock, who was out. Uh, you know, So I, I do recognize that, and I respect that Eddie Howe has gotten a, a tune out of a lot of players that were fine before. They were okay. They were, yeah, these are Premier League players, but I don't know if they're they're great. These aren't Champions League players. That was kind of the thought on on the vast majority of these guys, and now they are. Mm. Yeah, and now they are. Um, so I, mean, I do credit look, them for that. Yeah, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Um, just in the interest of the listeners, not to do, not to relitigate all the points that have already been made. But, but I would say I didn't enjoy Eddie Howe's name being thrown in there. He'll be, he'll go down with coaches such as Sir Bobby Robson and Kevin Keegan. That's that's not that's not fair to either man. It's, those are you can, those are not comparable eras. And Eddie Howe is not Bobby Robson in 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 many many senses. Interesting. Um, one thing with Newcastle that I wonder about. I don't know which way to swing this. What do you make of thirteen draws this season? Second most in the league behind Brentford. I feel like yeah. those are games that could that kind of hang on a knife's edge. You know, for Newcastle, are those draws that like? maybe could have been losses that could have sucked them out of the Champions League race. Or when you go back and look at the stat that I just read, 25 times hitting the post this season, you could almost look at that and say, if they actually got a few lucky bounces, they might've been contending for a title this season. I mean, look, the draws, draws will kill you. Absolutely kill you. You can't, you just can't have too many of them. However, the, when Kieran Trippier was being interviewed on the field after the game, it was reminded to him that he had joined when the club were in a relegation battle last season. And now they're in Champions League football and they finished, they're going to finish the season possibly with 73 points. That's, that's an incredible turnaround. Just incredible. And draws aside or whatever, it's been a brilliant season for them. Yeah, uh, it absolutely has. Um, perhaps only the beginning. Now, the other side of this was Leicester City. Um a point is okay, I suppose. It's not really what they wanted. A win would have allowed them to control their own destiny heading into the final weekend of the season. Now, let's be honest, they never looked like getting that, except with the Castagna chance. Right. However, I, I got to ask the question um, was some of that their own doing? Like, if you want, if, if you need, if a win is what's important, what do we think of choosing to not start? Harvey Barnes and James Madison in a game like this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And then, I mean, they were under the cosh. So incredible. It's not like, oh, well, leaving those two guys out, give them more stability. It didn't. And then Johnny Evans got injured. And that caused another problem. Um, now, I will I, say, I, 
I will say this: if they were playing for the point, um, they've been vindicated. Yes, they will. For one, not without a little bit of luck, as Newcastle certainly had many opportunities to get a goal. Um, and Leicester, I think, come out of this very fortunate that they didn't concede. However, in looking at the table, I, I guess what that point does, because they have the edge and goal difference over Everton, one that Everton will not make up, um, it allows now for the scenario of Everton to draw and Leicester win, and that will allow Leicester to leapfrog Everton, whereas oh my God. a point, if they didn't get that point, it would not have allowed for that scenario. So. You know, maybe they were just kind of playing the odds here. But what does it say about James Madison? If that if that's a guy that we think is a Champions League level player, um, in Leicester City's arguably most important game of the season up to this point, they think they're better off with him not out there. And I know they want to maybe play a more defensive style, but James Madison, he's supposed to be their best player. Now I don't know if that's truly because that's that's what they believe was in their best interest for this game or if it's some sort of emotional message that's being sent if they already i don't know what's going on behind the scenes maybe it's unfair to say it all i know is the quote that we read from james madison a couple weeks ago um and the idea that he's he's involved in transfer rumors constantly you know maybe they thought i want guys out there who are going to fight with everything that they have for this club and for uh, our ability to stay up now some of that i guess I'm contradicting myself everywhere just based on the fact that, you know, Madison did come on at halftime. So he did play the second half of the game. I don't know. I don't know. It it just seemed weird to me that the best player on that team would not have started their most important game of the season. Um, But I'm sure Leicester city fans maybe don't look at him as their best player right now. That might just be the outsider's opinion. Yeah. I I mean, we'll all, we'll all know come, lunchtime on Sunday. Yeah. Whether these decisions have been correct or not. Leicester have West Ham at home. Uh which I mean the atmosphere at the King Power is going to be amazing, I would think. Uh Leeds have Tottenham. I fancy Leeds to win that, considering okay. the way Tottenham are. Um and Leeds have Tottenham at home. And then Everton have Bournemouth at home. Bournemouth who really should be on the beach at this point. So yeah, it's 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 there. It's it could be a really exciting Sunday in that sense. It should be called relegation Sunday, not championship. Sunday. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't feel like championship Sunday. No. Yes, um, the battle to stay up is is what we'll all be locked in on. Um, you mentioned West Ham, JJ. Um, they of course find themselves safe for this season. They're into the final of the Europa Conference League, where they're going to face Fiorentina. Um, we talk a lot on this podcast about the good old days for certain clubs and trying to recognize when those clubs might be in them. West Ham, are they in the good old days right now? 100%. 100%. And I, I know it's been an indifferent season in the league, but they're staying up. Okay. They're in the Europe. They're in a European final. Like if they can win that, how amazing would that be? Absolutely amazing. Now I know they, they got to the semifinal uh, last year uh, of the Europa League, and I, I don't care. I think this is absolutely unbelievable. That to um, me only further cements the argument. I mean, the, I mean, West Ham getting to the semifinals of a European competition, like the, that's a good thing. Like, yeah. I, how is how is that anything? I know they were disappointed not to have won very, it. They were very, but, but like it's West Ham getting to the semifinals of a major European competition. 
That like they've cl- this is a twelfth consecutive season that they've now clinched in the top flight, which is a thing that they hadn't done since the sixties and seventies. Three of those seasons they've had top seven finishes in that stretch. Like you just said, back to back years of reaching the semifinals or beyond of a European competition. They might win a title in one this year. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Like I, I know that there were moments this year where they wanted Moyes out. They're not happy in the new stadium sometimes, although it seems like winning is uh helps smooth, help smooth that over quite a bit um yeah i think that if you're a west ham fan right now you got to be you got to be cherishing these moments they don't come uh, around all that often for this club yeah absolutely uh, i mean there was that optimism there at the end of the 90s when they produced all these amazing young players you know where then when they had michael carrick was there they had Jermaine Defoe was there frank lampard all that rio ferdinand but all those players were sold they haven't had anything tangible on the field like this in such a long time. And it's weird because if you'd asked me maybe six, seven weeks ago, I thought Moyes would be fired at any moment. So it's, it's been two unbelievable seasons back to back. Um, and, uh, and uh, you talk about the good old days. I'm not suggesting that the, the days of uh, violence in the stands are the good old days, but for some people, maybe they were. Um, oh, well, uh, there was the Intercity firm, which were the famous West Ham United uh, firm of hooligans. I am not suggesting that Nolsey, 68, the uh, electrician who fought off the AZ Alkmaar fans, was a member of the ICF or anything like that. But that is one of the most remarkable videos I've ever seen, Andrew. Incredible. For those who haven't seen it, at the end of West Ham's win over Alkmaar, AZ Alkmaar, uh, the the West Ham it was like the the traveling family and friends section yeah enclosure were attacked I don't know what other I don't want to be overly dramatic but I don't know how else to describe it other than to say they were they were attacked hordes of black clad AZ Altmar ultras just stormed down the side of the pitch between the advertising hoarding and the the access area to the West Ham team players and family section and and there was obviously supporters in there too and at the top of the steps was a couple of burly West Ham fans who could see what was happening and just kind of punched and kicked and fought and and took some nasty digs themselves to try and keep these guys away from the section and there was images of West Ham players I think Jared Bowen was one Declan Rice was the other kind of at pitch side seeing this going on in the stands absolutely terrified of what was happening to their families um here's nolsey himself discussing what happened obvious that the um az altmer ultras were going to we intent on trouble so we could see them coming down the side of the pitch quite a lot of them they look like little ants running towards us all in their black hoodies and stuff like that so uh i just realized the best form of defense or a place to put up a defense would be at the top of the stairwell well it was Almost a one-on-one situation. And so, do you consider yourself a hero? No, not at all. Not at all, no. Um, as I said, there were guys that had done exactly the same as I did. There was a guy on the next road that of steps down who did exactly the same. And there were people behind me as well. So Lovely. And are you gonna, hopefully, hopefully you want to go to Prague? I would, I'd love to go to Prague. That would be, you know, it would be the, the icing on the cake for the day yesterday. Not, not obviously the trouble we had, but it would almost make it all worthwhile. So... 68 years of age, big black shiner on his eye, yeah. uh, and <laughs> fighting off uh, hooligans. 
You know, I, t- I texted you, I sent you the video and I texted you <laughs> and said like this sport, <laughs> there are, it, it feels like in any given week, there's at least one story from somewhere in the world of soccer that if it had happened in an American sport, it would be the biggest story in the history yeah. of the sport. Yeah. And it feels like it's happening every week I in know. soccer. JJ, like the malice at the palace, yeah. it still gets talked about today in these terms of like, everyone remembers where they were when that happened. No yeah. one will ever forget it. The, re- the, the reverberations of that event will go on forever. It feels like that happens somewhere all the time. Like if if you took what happened to these West to to the family of the players involved for West Ham, if that happened in an American sporting event, it'd be the biggest thing to happen in American sports in a hundred years. I feel like not to say that it's been forgotten, but like we're only we're less than a week removed from it. I haven't. There's no articles about it. It's off every way. It's off every website that I go to: BBC, Sky Sports, ESPN FC, The Guardian. There's no articles on it. JJ, if that happened, if 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 the Celtics family, traveling family and friends were attacked by crazed Sixers fans <laughs> following the Game 7 defeat... You'd be at well, the head I, of it? <laughs> but, like, it'd be talked about forever. Fans yeah. ba- banned from Wells Fargo Center. I know the game took place in Boston, but, like, you get what I'm saying. Like, I, I can't get over it. The insanity that this sport has turned into commonality, it's hard to wrap my mind around. Uh, these scenes were horrible. Uh, I feel terrible for the West Ham players that were kind of witnesses to it. I feel even worse for the West Ham fans that were subjected to it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, what should be the punishments for Valencia fans for that abuse. I think this this should also be a conversation uh, of how what's going to be done to the Alkmaar fans whom saw a number of them attack the traveling family and friends from the visiting club. It's... I don't know. I'm never I don't I don't ever want to be the person who says it's only sports because we've gone through chapter and verse of how it's not like sports have the power to do so much in this world and mean so much to so many people. But when you see something like that, you do have there is a little bit of a reality check going on that like harmless family of players that are just there to watch their loved ones play soccer are being attacked because they just because that's who their loved ones play for. What? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'll never get it. <laughs> the import, the importance that is placed upon soccer is is quite something. It really is. It's probably you could describe it as a bit grotesque. Well, but that was Nolsey. wild. Absolutely wild scenes. And well done to Nolsey. Yeah. Um, let's see. JJ, let's go to Germany where Bayern Munich were absolutely left stunned over the weekend when they threw away a 1-0 lead. Uh, to RB Leipzig, who went on and defeated them 3-1. And with Borussia Dortmund's victory the following day against Augsburg, JJ, the title is no longer in Bayern Munich's hands. No, These are things that, like, it's so funny to think about it, but, like, it, it's unfathomable that Bayern Munich, that the same team wouldn't win a title every year for the rest of time. Like, it feels like that's an obvious thing. They obviously weren't going to win every single year. We all know this, but... Ten years of seeing the same thing over and over again, you're conditioned to to believe that only that thing can happen. Uh, but here we go, Bayern Munich um, with a a golden opportunity that they threw away over the weekend, and now Borussia Dortmund could go on and do this thing. Like I said, something that has not happened in over a decade. Um, and so I've been trying to think about, okay, what what has gone wrong here? Obviously, this has been a a 
there are varying degrees of the word disastrous, but in Bayern Munich language, this has been a disastrous season where they fired a manager. They went out of mm. the Champions League in their eyes prematurely, and now they go into um, the end of, of this season not controlling their own destiny. So I've been thinking about it, and my simplistic brain, JJ, it talk, I talk all the time about how goal scoring is the hardest thing to do in this sport. It's why I would open up my wallet for a pure goal score in a way that I wouldn't for most other positions. Right. I know it's simplistic. That's just how I am. And so I looked at Bayern sort of with that simplistic viewpoint, but I think there's something to it. The last three seasons, J.J., Byron's leading goal scorer was Robert Lewandowski each of those years with 34 goals, 41 goals, and 35 goals. This year in the league, it's Serge Gnabry with 14. All right? Like, that's obviously not the only reason why things have gone this way, but I'm sorry. It's hard to lose that sort of goal-scoring threat without – any real natural replacement and expect results to remain the same. Like if they had signed, if they let Lewandowski go, but they signed Holland, I would have said, okay, sure, let him go. But they didn't. And I think it has showed. I I think that's a big point. I also think, can we just say that they pulled the trigger on Nagelsmann too soon? I know there was so many issues that we're hearing about now, relationship with the board, his his kind of willingness to be single-minded and maybe not be more Bayern-minded and to do things his way, all that. I still think they just, it wasn't right what they did and it created an instability. It's JJ, of- skateboarding around the facility cannot be tolerated. <laughs> that is rule one. He paid a lot for his 1980s throwback uh, hobbies. Um, he paid for it with his, uh, with his job. I, 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 think, I think that was a mistake. Um, I also think Dortmund, this is such a good story. So just to let people know, so the, the final day of the season, uh, May 27, Saturday, May 27, 9.30 a.m., uh, Cologne will host Bayern München. And then at the same time, uh, Dortmund have Mainz 0 at home. So now... Oh, God, I don't want to do this. But I, I know Dortmund fans. A lot of them interact with us down the years. And they will have a certain fatalism about this, a certain <laughs> nagging concern. This, uh, would, be hor- this not- would honestly be horrifying. if they. Not- Mainz are in ninth, and they've lost their last four games in a row. Okay? So uh, it would be horrifying. Um, and I hope it doesn't come to pass. Because I think it'd be great for Dortmund uh, to win the league, but isn't it, isn't it nice to have something uh, a little bit tasty to look at on at the weekend? Jeopardy, as you say, Jeopardy, as we say, and it's also pretty- too Sebastian Haller scoring twice for Borussia Dortmund in that game. I mean, you talk about Borussia Dortmund being a good story. Let let's break it down even further, and what an incredible story it is for him. I mean, we thought just seeing him back playing again in like a, what was it a friendly friendly yeah we were like oh man this is what a what a great thing not really knowing what his fitness levels would be what his capabilities would be moving forward and here he is major contributor to a potential title run into upend Bayern Munich's dominance over this league that i mean that in itself is an amazing thing it um, is an amazing that, thing that's hard to not root for nine goals i think and three assists since his return that's it's phenomenal considering yeah. what he had to put his body through uh, in terms of the cancer. Uh, amazing. I, I, Dorman have lost seven games. That feels oh. like a lot for uh, oh, a does. team that's going to beat Bayern Munich to a title. 
which but, speaks to the season Bayern Munich has had. Right, but um, uh, Dortmund of 22 wins, Bayern of 20. And in the draws column, which is the one I always go for, mm. Bayern Munich have eight draws. Yeah, That's four more than Dortmund. Should be thrilling. Should be pretty thrilling. Um, yeah, I actually hope it's exciting. But whatever way the excitement shakes out, I want Dortmund to be champion by the end of it. Okay. I could, yeah. All right. Um, finally, a couple other things just to close on, JJ. Uh, just want to mention this from MLS. It's getting hard to believe just how bad things are, <laughs> are getting for the LA Galaxy. Um, just another dreadful weekend for them. A 3-0 defeat to DC United. Three goals in a, in a 10-minute span. Um, after Christian Benteke had a goal chalked off for offside, it could have been worse. Um, he then scored on just another one of these. Let's just play out from the back without any semblance of a clue of, of how to do it. Um, this time it was a goalkeeping error that led to one of the easiest goals that Benteke has scored in his career. Two more goals shortly followed that. Tom Bogert tweeted, after an impotent 3-0 loss to DC United, the LA Galaxy are... Last in MLS in points, nine in 13 matches. Last in goal difference, minus 13. And second to last in goals conceded, 23. They can't sign players from abroad this summer due to sanctions either. Vibes and outlook are bad. Yeah, I would say I would say they are. The fan base hates the team. They want Vanny out. They despise the GM, Chris Klein, who, who has come out and said that if the team doesn't make the playoffs, he will step down. This is like one of the... This is one of the proud franchises of this league. They've been reduced to rubble so far this season. And tomorrow in the Open Cup, it's it's an El Trafico Open Cup. Yeah. That's the last thing you want. Yeah, the, the, uh, the potential for embarrassment is high, as I assume LAFC will play a weakened squad. Um that I also assume will win <laughs> and only heap more embarrassment on the galaxy. That's just the way things are right now with those think, two clubs. Yeah. I mean, what happens now? Because it's not like they don't have like a top coach. It's not like they don't have like Hernandez, Ricky Peague, well, Ricky so, Puig. Yeah. I'm glad you bring that up. Cause I saw Matt Doyle. He tweeted um, about the galaxy in the wake of this defeat and, and just the way the season has gone. Something to the effect of it shouldn't be this bad. No, it and, and so I'm be. wondering. I think that's a really interesting question. Um, that like it, it really just leads to two questions when you ask something like that. Has the GM gone out and paid good money for the wrong players? Because by the way, the Galaxy have the second highest payroll in MLS. Oh my uh, god! Which I mean, you look at the return on investment; it's not what you want. Um, so has has have they gone out and got the wrong players, or are these the right players? They're just not playing up to their potential. And hearing comments like it shouldn't be this bad, it leads you to that conclusion that maybe it it should be better than this. I don't know if that's a Vanny issue or if it's just these players not playing well. Um, it's probably all of them. I mean, defensively, they're shambles right now. They've invested a lot up front, obviously, with Chicharito. Um, you know, Ricky Pouge as well in the midfield, who I thought was going to kick on and be awesome this season. It's just not really happening. Um, I don't know. They're... They're a disaster everywhere right now. Um, and yeah, Tom puts it well when he says vibes and outlook are are low. And it's um, not like the fans are enamored with the board. It, it, it's like it's no. wrong on and off the field. It's, it's, it's a true cluster F, as you would say. Yeah, 
not good. Uh, and then finally, JJ, when the summer rolls around, I think maybe this will be the summer where we finally start embracing transfer rumors. We fought it for years, but the people have spoken. It's clear that this is what they want. Transfer rumors and only transfer rumors. Maybe we'll start to finally embrace them. We've always shied away because we think 95% of them are garbage. But if it's what the people crave and what they want talked about, then so be it. So we'll, I just have a couple to run by you quickly. JJ, I said on this podcast a few weeks ago that if I could if I could pilfer any one guy from this Brighton team and insert him onto my team, Tottenham, Alexis McAllister will be, would be that choice for me. I, I love him for Argentina. I've loved him for Brighton. Well, guess what? Guess what your club have gone on and, and reportedly are close to now doing? That's who. That's going to be your guy, it seems like, JJ. I hope you're happy. I hope you're going to appreciate him and treat him as well and as kindly as I would have. I'm. I. I still have to digest the 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 thought of that, but I do like him as a player. And the the midfield needs addressing. You don't my, care. You don't my, care. It's nothing like how I would have treated him. Uh, my brain is still high on the emotion of the weekend's draw and Bobby Firmino's final bow, and indeed James Milner's and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain's, but mostly Firmino's. Mm. I and I and I love Milner, but Firmino. The Bobby Moe and Sadio three threesome is now broken up, and well, Firmino Firmino was the the rug that brought everything together, and it's to watch him there looking up at the the cop end and the tears streaming down his face down his cheeks. It was so emotional, man. It was um, I'm so glad he he could score when he came on. He has been one of the great. Liverpool signings of of my of my year of watching them so impactful didn't always look that way signed under Rodgers um but Klopp saw something in him immediately made him the focal point of that attack and not the focal point in the sense that he scored 20 goals every season not that but made him a guy who could do so much work drop off into the midfield link the whole thing together and um and I will miss him and his wonderfully veneered teeth <laughs> Uh, I'll miss him hugely. And he just had a nice smile and a nice face. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, it is true. I, I don't, you know, Salah and Mane are extraordinary talents, two of the great players to come through this league. Uh, who knows if they would have reached their full potential without having played aside Bobby Firmino. I I could not agree more with you. And the, um, you know, that, that, that's an iconic for a club that had iconic like um, Keegan and Toshak and um, just iconic players that played together. You know, this is this is another one. Yeah. Uh, but this is three of them together, and the fact that they're that's it. There's only one remaining is is brutal to me. I I feel tremendously sad. And the passage of time, passage of time, gets us all including this podcast, which is now coming to an end, JJ. I enjoyed this tremendously. We will, of course, be back during the week with another edition of Caught Offside. A little bit of midweek stuff going on, but I don't know if anything too eventful, but you know, those are sometimes always the most fun podcasts that we I will be, adore. We will be T-minus a day out from me being a father. Oh, my God. Friday, it's happening. It's all going down. <laughs> There'll be a baby Devani dropping in Manhattan. It's uh, it's getting real, guys. 
I've what hospital? Right. I would like to gather a crowd outside the window. <laughs> NYU. NYU. Oh. <laughs> I don't care. If there's well-wishers who want to come by, um, I'll, I'll sign autographs, T-shirts, whatever. Um, Hold the yeah. baby aloft like, like the Lion King. <laughs> Simba. <laughs> oh, yeah, my God. At, at, by the time this week comes to an end, hmm. you'll I'll be a dad. You'll be a dad. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I can't wait for you. Really? Yeah, it's it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I I am scared I will drop her. Um I'm scared that you don't have to. I I'm scared that she'll grow up and b- write a bitter memoir about me. <laughs> All the ways not... he ruined me. <laughs> um no, but it's um my little Yankee doodle is on the way. So. That is amazing. Well, you have so many fun days ahead. I took uh, my my kids, my wife. We did a, a kind of a spontaneous family trip over the weekend to. Um, have you ever heard of the Great Wolf Lodge? It's like a, a huge like indoor water park. There's a lot of them, but we went Ooh. to the one in the Poconos. Um, oh, I'd love that. Oh man, it was so fun. I got to tell you, on the on the wholesome scale, there's not a whole lot higher than going wee down a water slide. We're doing this again. There's just not. It's so enjoyable. I loved every second of it and going doing like the double tubes with Jack and he's just laughing hysterically the whole way down. It is just the greatest wholesome fun that you can have. We did it for sledding. I, this is now that's the winter version. Now that you're getting into yeah. summer water parks, although this one's indoors, it's designed to go to in the winter. Um, but just whooshing down a water slide, JJ, it's, it's as great as life can get. And you're going to experience you, all you, that with a, with a child. Yeah, you. I, I'm not going to say we. I don't. I think you've ruined we for me. Well, that's too bad because that only adds to it. Yeah. Okay. You well, really need um, to do that. Yeah, I'm just worried about when you start. You'll go crazy with the we, and you'll start saying it at really inappropriate moments. Sledding and sledding and water slides. That's it. Just the wholesome all. moments. Wholesome moments. Yeah, you know those feelings. Sledding and water slides. That's it. Those okay. get the we's. Uh, hey, this was fun, man. We'll be back, like I said, again midweek. JJ to you, I say. Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.